0: Welcome to the Ashenden Anemometer, as of the nineteenth of april twenty twenty one Are you sitting comfortably? Throw open another window and let's enjoy the spring sunshine just before noon on the twenty sixth A short gust of forty seven point eight miles per hour blew in from the south southwest The also runs hardly crept over 30 miles per hour for the whole of this past month. About the only thing rolling about in these modest breezes has been tumbleweed-sized balls of hector fluff, freshly liberated on an almost daily basis by use of his favourite Ferminator brush. Love it? No, more like he's addicted. He drools when being defluffed, like there's no tomorrow. Uh, Do see the online picture. Uh, I've tried to edit out the excess drool, so you'll be all right. It's not so much of a Beaufort telltale, more of a spring has sprung confirmation. His staff don't get paid any more for this, by the way. You at British Gas aren't the only ones. The epic storm glass has maintained its Ponchon for salubrity, copping early morning mists with its carpet of crystals and translucent turps, traducing clear skies, go on, look it up, I did the rain gauge has been struggling to report much at all, managing to detect seven point one millimeters or thereabouts no, point, naught, four miles. This means the AA's outreach team crossed what were unfathomable quagmires, i.e. the Westcott to Wadderston pathway, now with impunity. Roll on summer, I say. Air quality remains good in Oxford and Milton Keynes. Aylesbury and New York both vying for around a 30 AQI index. That's better than my lounge with the wood burner doors open. Let's sum up this month. Maximum gust forty seven point eight miles per hour. Little hair raising there. Beaufort, four. That's tumble fur territory. Much hair raising there. Stormglass? Mimicry mirrors mists. Mostly. Air quality good, but traffic is returning. Watch or smell this space as is your bent. alliterations rising steadily as lockdown eases. hectorization, fermentation, 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 drool, drool draw. The final episode of Meteorological Miscellany is now upon us. We've reached the end of the road with Zed. Are you ready for this particular finale? Excellent! Then be prepared to be blown away. Well, your doors at least, hint hint, Zulu, short for Zulu Time, is used in the military and in navigation generally as a term for Universal Coordinated Time, UCT, sometimes called Universal Time Coordinated, UTC, or Coordinated Universal Time, but abbreviated UTC, and formally called Greenwich Mean Time. Hooray! In military shorthand, the letter Z follows a time expressed in Greenwich Mean Time. Sorry, actually, Greenwich Time. Greenwich Time, now called Universal Coordinated Time, is the time at longitude 0 degrees 0 minutes, the prime meridian, or longitudinal line that separates east from west in the World Geographical Coordinate System. This line of longitude is based on the location of the British Naval Observatory in Greenwich, England, near London. Zulu is the radio transmission articulation for the letter Z. Traditional ship and aeroplane navigation is conducted using Zulu time. Zulu time is usually expressed in terms of a 24-hour clock using the Gregorian calendar time divisions of hours and minutes. Not many people know that. But of course, of course, I could not simply end the meteorological miscellany alphabet here. No, I'm going to try and go out with a bang. And blow the bloody doors off. On the 22nd of January, 1879, at a remote mission station in Natal, South Africa, barely more than a hundred British soldiers soldiers, held off wave after wave of attacks by some 4,000 Zulu warriors. The Battle of Rorke's Drift lasted ten hours, from late afternoon to just before dawn the following morning. By the end of the fighting, 15 soldiers lay dead, with another two mortally wounded. Surrounding the camp were the bodies of 350 Zulus. This makes for a remarkable tale of courage and tenacity on both sides of the perimeter. But historically, the battle was a minor incident which had little influence on the course of the Anglo-Zulu War. And it might have remained a footnote in history or an anecdote told at regimental dinners, had it not been for a film which dramatised the story and has kept it in the public mind ever since. Premiered 85 years to the day after the event it commemorates, on its initial release in 1964, Zulu was one of the biggest box office hits of all time in the home market, For the next 12 years, it remained in constant cinema circulation before making its first appearance on television. It has been a bank holiday television perennial. The main filming location was in the spectacular Drakensberg Mountains in the Royal Natal National Park, a popular tourist spot distant from any large township. But a number of incidents brought home the realities of the oppressive South African regime at that time. Michael Caine, who played Lieutenant Gonville Broomhead, recalled an incident in which a black laborer was set, uh, sorry, a black laborer on the set was reprimanded by an African's foreman with a punch in the face. Stanley Baker, the film's leading actor, sacked the foreman on the spot and made it clear that such behaviour would not be tolerated. Kane swore never to make another film in South Africa while apartheid was in force, and he kept his word. Well, that's nearly all from me. If you have any ideas for a future series, by all means get in touch. The Richard Phillips at hotmail.com will find me. Oh, and I just knew I'd be hearing from you. No, I will not be reporting on any of that day, Barkler, especially since our trouncing by India. Absolutely not. Football, you say? Just two words for you and you can crawl away in shame. Super League. There, I've said it. No sport here. This is a respectable piece. Now, I'm preparing for an outdoor shandy down the 100. That's all from me, Richard Phillips, 158 metres above sea level. Until next time, when we begin a new chapter, hopefully in many ways. Bye!